Hey guys, it's Alfredo. And this is Brian. And this is Film Purgatory. So thank you guys so much for joining us this week. This week we're going hard, Brian. Nope. I was going to use a poor choice of words. Like Jose, I think he's infected me, but I'm mm. going to avoid that. I'm nice. just going to gonna cut to the chase. Die hard. Nice. Die hard. Proud of you. Uh, yeah, guys, we're talking about Die Hard this week. Die Hard, I think, is uh, is overlooked a lot of the times and in the sense that I feel a lot of people don't realize how many movies there are. There's five Die Hard movies. I thought it were four. Yeah. You said five earlier, and I, yeah. and I just made a face. Yeah, I know. I feel like this falls into the same category where at some point you had to stop. They're, they're obviously prolonging this. Bruce Willis was old in the last two movies, so I feel like the franchise uh, overstayed its welcome. Like many. Like many. We've said this too many times. Uh, but, you know, you got a, what is it, A-list actor, a big profile name, high profile mm. name in Bruce Willis. Mm. And if he's interested, right, you write him the, the, right, the check with the right number on it. Yeah. And you can make a profit. Yeah. You know, as an executive, do you really care what people think? I get it. You know, it's almost like this is the one industry where the product itself is very, very different and, 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 and like separate from the critique, the fair critique. Mm-hmm. Like imagine being a restaurant and you're like, I don't care. I'm just going to tell people that this is really good steak. I'm going to tell people that it's made by the best chef and you put out crappy food. Yeah. And you ma- imagine making a good return on that. McDonald's. It'll never happen. McDonald's. Shitty food is shitty food, right? Right. You're not going to pay top dollar for shitty food. But why do people pay top dollar for shitty movies? Man. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, right, right. it's the one product that even though we give fair criticism, again, I understand that it's bi- bias, you know, food and, 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 and movies, music, whatever. It's all subjective. I get it. But I feel like objectively, there are just some franchises that get worse. They drop in quality and they should not be supported anymore. You know, but but we keep supporting them. Like, I don't care if, if, if they make another that hard. Nobody should go watch it. It's just not good. But it makes a profit sometimes, these, these uh, dragged on franchises. I just feel like there's a lot of uh, OG fans that die, no pun intended, die hard for these, these franchises. And that's why they want to continue support. You know, right. it, it's happened to me. Um, a Christopher Nolan movie comes out. I don't care what it's about. I'm gonna watch it. That's true. Leonardo DiCaprio movies out. I'm like, I don't care. I'm gonna watch it. Right. You know. So I feel like that there's these people for specific franchises. So this week maybe, you know, we're touching up on on some Die Hard, pun intended that time, uh, <laughs> Die Hard fans that uh, really like the movies and and seeing the drop in quality that we're talking about. At the end of the day, you know, movies are entertainment. Of course. And we we just want to be entertained. And it's that- it's a nostalgic effect, I think. Yeah. It's not to say that there aren't any gems in this franchise. Die Hard, it follows John McClane. John McClane is this uh, New York cop. New York. New York. And he's a good cop. A well-intended cop. Mm. Uh, average Joe, middle-aged, right? Or was he... How, how old was he in the first one? Would you say early 30s? I, yeah, because he already had a family at that time. Okay. He had two kids. So then, so then, a little younger than middle aged, and a clean tank top. But yeah, Cl- cleaner, yes, cleaner tank top. That shit was disgusting. But he had more hair. He did have more hair. Okay, so a little bit different, a little bit different time. But yeah, just a, I would say average Joe cop, good with good intentions, nice guy, nothing special about this guy, mm-hmm. except his one liners. You know what? That I think is what makes a lot of these movies. Yeah, Bruce Willis makes a good performance of John McClane. 
he was actually the sixth choice to be John McClane. Frank Sinatra was considered to be John McClane. No kidding. I'm a big Frank Sinatra fan. Nice. I like Frank. He's the classic man. You put him on on a dinner date, you know what I'm saying? Fly me to the moon. You know, I, I can sing that. I'm not good with the soundtracks. I can sing Frank Sinatra a little bit. You see what I did there? You sang, and I backed you up. I like that. Okay, so maybe maybe some uh, some doo wop next. Okay. See, I, I I like that. See that I can sing. I'm not good with the soundtracks, but okay. some old timey music. You know, you put the, some 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 music you put like on a date. That kind of music. I'll you gotta it. learn to serenade, bro. I'll take it. I'll take it. So the first Die Hard was made in 1988, and I gotta say, it definitely looks that way. <laughs> it's a good point so I'm glad you, you started with that It's a good 80s one It was directed by John McTiernan He was the director of Predator Last Action Hero with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger And Hunt for Red October Okay, so popular movies These, are, movies. these are very popular movies This guy knows what he's doing uh, I feel like this one was the best director out of all of them He directed two of these uh, movies in this franchise Okay Did a really good job uh, you know what? Clint Eastwood was actually considering directing this movie before John McTiernan took the took the role or took the job. Unpopular opinion: Clint Eastwood would have done a better job. <sighs> His movies okay. are pretty good. Like he he he, did, he could direct. The man has talent, but you got to remember this is 1988. This is not the Clint Eastwood we know now of his directorial prowess. You know, the That's guy, true. the guy's really good. But maybe back then, I just don't know if his style, even if he had that style, right, right. would have been present in this movie. I enjoyed Die Hard. It's not my favorite one, the first one. Die Hard reboot directed by Clint Eastwood sets a premiere in 2025. I'll take that. <laughs> and, and that goes into what I have a good point about that later on. Um, just so put a pin on that. I, I like right. that one. But um, I think uh, John McTiernan did a, a really good job. But you know what? It, this movie was actually based off a novel. No, what? Yeah. So Man, that's so annoying. Yeah. Is everything got to be based on a novel? Die Hard was based off a novel by Roderick Thorpe. It's called Nothing Lasts Forever. So it, it follows well, it basically like the a, same story. It's it just like a romance. Different names. It was entertaining. Good enough to be made into a movie a lot of this movie or, or of the Die Hard franchise really focuses on John McClane and like mentioned before that really has a lot to do with Bruce Willis's performance but you know what there are other big names out there our boy uh, Simp Senator Snape Snape the Simp Alan Rickman you know this is actually his first major studio role okay he was one of the best if not the best main antagonist in this franchise uh bonnie Badiga, reginald val johnson he's one of those guys he was the the officer that john was talking to outside okay he's one of those forgettable guys like you don't know who he is until you see his face okay but so, he plays like a lot of minor roles yeah different roles? He's okay. supporting roles okay. you've seen him around. all right but overall i think the first one was good I, I don't know a about... A Christmas th- movie. It, okay, so it's a considered a <laughs> Christmas movie because it just so happens to be around Christmas. But, yes, I, I, 
I get it, but I, I don't get the Christmas vibes of it, you know? And that was actually going to be my next question. Like, does do you get a Christmassy feel throughout the first movie? I think no. Uh-huh. So, what do you think? I feel like it's forced. It, it just so forced. happens that it's around mm. Christmas, and they do Christmas. Oh, ho, 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 shit like that. Or, like, the thing that he wrote oh, on, like, as think. Okay. So, like... It could have been if if you were to take off the Christmas references or Christmas one-liners that John says, then I, I would have guessed it's in like April that this movie was made. Like it was because you don't see the decorations. Yeah, but like barely. You know, you don't really care about the decorations. Yeah, they're having a Christmas party, but like it's it's not really pivotal to the story. You do see boob though. There is nudity. No. Yeah, man. There is. There's nudity in like. The first 20 minutes, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't get those Christmas vibes. Okay. But another one that was during Christmas was the second one. Die Hard 2. So could it be that the consistency of this same holiday going through two movies is what gives people the the idea that this could be a Christmas film or a set of films? I think that they tried to capitalize on a holiday and most likely they released it on the holidays or okay. trying to get so, get a higher audience. So then you know what? It's a Christmas movie. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. Like you said, it's forced. Mm. But maybe they forced it just enough. Mm. Unfortunately. Die Hard 2 was made in 1990 and was directed by Ren Harlan. This guy made uh, Cliffhanger and Deep Blue Sea. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I've seen both of those movies. I'm a big fan of Deep Blue Sea, too. I think I've seen it like 10 times. It's cool. I love Kooji's uh, Z-G. I like uh, Samuel's uh, speech, his monologue. Bam! And then the shark goes, boom, out of nowhere, you know? It's like, that's a, that's an all-timer for me. I love that scene. Mm. Big drop-off, though. Big drop-off in this one. I feel like the cheesy factor was put up to an all-time high. It just did not age well. And um, it's very forgettable. Very forgettable, this movie. So in the first one, John McClane's fighting these these terrorists that are trying to steal this money. And uh, in the second one, John McClane's fighting these terrorists, and he he's trying to, to defend a, an airport. I feel like the, the main antagonist, played by William Sadler, is very forgettable, much like, my, like most of this movie. It's very, very forgettable. You just don't get the same diehard vibes that you did from the first one. Yes, there is a lot of violence, there's a lot of gore, and that's a good thing that they got from this movie. They got that right. They got a lot of action scenes, and it was great. Could it be that, because you know, hindsight is 2020, but it could it be that around the time that these movies were coming out, that action flicks were just bangers no matter what? Like, as long as you got the money for the explosions, for the gunshots, for the blood, it was a banger. And, and, a, and an A-list actor, in this case, it's a simple formula. You know, Bruce Willis, for explosions, Gunshots, loud things, mm-hmm. bad guys, you know. Could it be that, that around the 80s, 90s, these movies were just, as long as they were high budget, they were they were successful commercially? Well, Bruce Willis was paid $7.5 million to be in this movie. So, yeah, I, that, that does play into what your theory is, but I feel like a lot of that has to do with the director. John McTiernan, the original director of the first Die Hard, he was supposed to direct the second one. But he decided to opt out to direct The Hunt for Red October. So that's when Ren Harlan came in. So I think that it was always going to be that type of action, big budget type of shit. 
but it's just it wasn't executed as good as the first one because obviously it's a different guy he has different styles and you just get a different vibe i feel like a lot of that drop off is is credited to that change but talking about the uh the violence and everything it was going to be originally nc-17 which makes sense because so they're really pushing hard for that violence yeah i think that uh they tried to cover up the lack in in story and plot and dialogue i was just thinking maybe they just didn't care about uh putting effort into the writing portion of this and just hey gunshots more sorry not enough blood not enough right. not enough gore and then maybe throw in some softcore porn just 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 to give it that oomph for the nc-17 rating i personally like the next movie die hard with a vengeance made in 1995 this is the third movie in this franchise it did bring back John McTiernan, so he was the original director for the first one. So you do get back that uh, that Die Hard vibes. Jeremy Irons and Samuel L. Jackson were in this movie. Uh, Jeremy Irons played the antagonist, if I'm not correct. Jeremy Irons was the antagonist. Okay, I remember that face. And to me, I I'm agree with you. Maybe it's the fact that we're from, like, I'm from 95. I don't know if maybe that's has something to do with it. But mm. I feel like this movie's effects... Much were much better than mm-hmm. the first two. I thought the acting was a little better. It just felt a little, I don't know. Something about this film came off less corny, you know, less cheesy, more serious. Right. And, and I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, at the end of the day, I loved the, the scenery. I loved the cinematography of this one. How it went from, you know, through the boroughs of New York and, and the way that he had to work with Samuel Jackson. Just everything that went down. Um, I did like the plans from the antagonist in this movie. So to me, this one is easily the, the best of the of the five i would agree this is my personal favorite um and i think it has a lot to do with the fact that it's a buddy cop film you have samuel jackson who is a civilian and he's a taxi driver right no he's uh he's an owner of this shop in harlem oh. and john mcclain who is, is set up by jeremy irons to put up a sign and walk through Harlem just this racist sign and Samuel Jackson's character his name is Zeus he helps him out so he just kind of gets roped into this whole scheme this this charade that uh, Jeremy Irons character has for John McClane which so happens that Jeremy Irons character is the brother of Alan Rickman's character in the first first movie so that's why the vengeance comes into it Mm. but at the end of the day it's just it was just a, a power play you know it's it's a ruse, and Jeremy Irons' character, he just wanted to steal from um, the Federal Reserve. He wanted to steal some gold. So, again, more terrorists, and this is New York. And you know what's funny? The writers of, uh, of Die Hard 3, Jonathan Hansley, he was questioned by the FBI because he knew a little bit too much about the Federal Reserve. I don't think I don't see why it would matter so much. At this point in time, we had already switched to fiat currency. Right. So who cares about the gold? It's not <laughs> located under the street, guys. Like you said, I think this one was uh, very enjoyable. This is my favorite. I did mention a buddy film. Do you get any vibes like that at all? Maybe not at first. Right. But definitely by the end, you get it because. Right. They learn to trust each other a little more. They have a little bit more of chemistry. And that's one thing I thought this film did well. Kind of like Rush Hour. That you you see the tension. Sorry, you feel the tension. 
at first you see that they're not getting along you you know you can tell that it's gonna be a while they're just from different cultures different backgrounds but then as you go along they start to realize hey we're on the same side we gotta work together right the communication is better and they start to see each other as uh uh, like friends you know almost like brothers because why uh, people they say you know you bonded through traumatic experiences and, mm-hmm. and uh, like soldiers become brothers when they're in war so stuff like that it's life or death situation right. going on obviously not comparing this movie to war just that these two characters are so close to dying and such high stakes is going on and by the end they're they're closer not not in, in an intimate way but in the form of, of trust right? right they trust each other to get the job done even though one isn't a cop at mm-hmm. all isn't you know doesn't have experience or nothing right. like that I would have loved to have seen that in more films in this franchise I think the dynamic between Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson was good uh, it's not to say that it's very hard to develop a, a dynamic with Samuel Jackson I just feel like he's one of those guys who is gonna be good to work with the reason I ask if, if you got that buddy film, because like this was originally supposed to be a script for Lethal Weapon 4. Man, I can see that. Yeah. That was originally going to be Lethal Weapon 4, but they recycled it and used it for this one. So I'm just, I don't know if you have the answer to this one, but I'm assuming that it was the same studio that does Lethal Weapon 4. I guess they have the rights to that story. Or this script, I should say, and then they allowed it to be made into a, a, a Die Hard with a Vengeance. Is that? I would assume so. That's I don't, what I'm I, thinking, I don't right? think they have any legal rights to that. Unless they, they sold it, could they just sell the story? And be like, hey, you use it. Could be. I mean, I know that there, throughout this whole franchise, there were a lot of different endings, uh, scripts, ideas thrown around. Right. So maybe someone just scrapped something, and then the the production team just saw it and and, and went with it. And I can see that. Struck gold. I don't know. Well, but, uh, I wanted to point out that they, that Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson had such a good uh, uh, what is it had such good chemistry. I wonder. I don't know how much they interacted on the set or behind the scenes of Pulp Fiction, but they were both in that movie. I don't think in the movie they interacted long, you know, mm-hmm. for you know much at all, if anything. I don't remember specifically, but I wonder if that had anything to do with it. Pulp Fiction was just you know one year prior, nineteen ninety four, that came out. Right. So I wonder, I wonder if that helped. Maybe they got good references, or they got along. Who knows? Well, that'd be that'd be interesting to 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 know. You know, Lawrence Fishburne was uh, considered to play Zeus, which is Samuel Jackson's character. But yeah, um, Bruce and Samuel did work together, so I'm sure that had a lot to do with. It. I know that Bruce Willis had some take in the casting, so I'm sure that he had built some sort of rapport with him during Pulp Fiction. Which, I gotta say, was fantastic. I, I love uh, this movie simply because of Samuel Jackson and, and, and Bruce Willis. You know. They carry. They yeah, carry. big time. I mean, John McClane carries the, most of this franchise. <laughs> He's supposed to. Yeah, he ha- right, he has to. Fourth movie is Live Free or Die Hard 2007. Man. I like the title of this movie more than anything. You know what? The title is referencing New Hampshire's state motto, which is live free or die. A little bit excessive, New Hampshire, but I get it. Did he retire in New Hampshire in this movie? Mm, I don't don't know. I don't know. He's obviously not retired. Dang. This movie was uh, directed by Len Wiseman. He's the guy who made the Underworld movies. Never watched them. I saw a couple. Eh. Eh. Yeah. 
we can stick with eh yeah but this one was very uh, I think it had a one one scene one scene that stick sticks with me stuck it stuck with Jose we spoke he mentioned it earlier and I remember it was the first thing that stood out even in the trailers but this movie doesn't hold well over time mm. it wasn't that good to begin with mm-hmm. but the one scene that everybody will talk about was him somehow managing a car onto a helicopter and like blowing it up yeah in the air you gotta remember these this this is an action film. This is the fourth action film. So I feel like when, when it comes to action, the action genre, you just almost feel forced to one-up the next movie. Yeah. It's this being the fourth one. You know, we've seen John explode in the entire build, uh, floor of, of a building in the first one. Or for some reason being an elevator shaft. Every single movie has, has him in, in an elevator shaft. I'm not really sure what the deal is. But it could be like with the Star Wars movies. There's always the I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> but um, I feel like they had to one up themselves. He did drive a police car into a helicopter. He was standing vertical in, in like some some jet. So I mean, come on. Like at some point, this is looking a little bit too close to Fast and Furious. But or it reached it already. Hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean. <coughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, I will say this, and like, not to be a little more positive, not trying to be Debbie Downer, because there's definitely a lot of action fans around that, and I, and I would hate for them to say like, "Hey, film purgatory hates action films." Right. That's not necessarily the case. I just I like to think, you know, most because you can get away with just being action as long as the story is a little enticing, right? Give me something else, right. at least for me. Mm-hmm. You know, but this one in particular, forget the store, forget everything. I will say this: the effects are good. Yeah, I like. I can't take that away from them. They, they, yeah. they said we're gonna make an action film, and it's gonna look good. Which goes back to the original point of, you know, when you were saying it looked the 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 first Die Hard looks like 1988 film. <laughs> right. No <laughs> doubt in the mind. Well, right. this one, yeah, it's 2022, but you could put it on, and you're not gonna think, oh, it's so 2007. It looks good. Yeah, I like that. I think. If you put it on, will I pay attention? No. Mm. But I won't criticize the effects. Specifically, like, explosions, you know, the big budget effects. I feel like it is one of the best action films visually, like you said. It wasn't bad. I gotta be honest. Len Wiseman did a pretty good job in that aspect. I think my biggest quarrel with this film would be the the story in the sense that it's not believable. You know, John... John McClane, he's an older guy, and he's fighting terrorists. For one thing, it's you know a New York cop fighting terrorists like three separate times. I mean, come on. Right. But the but the fourth time we're fighting new age cyber terrorists at this right. point. Because the first three times was believable. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying. I agree 100. percent Right. At this point, it's a given. Right. You just take it for what it's worth. Weak weak story. It's yeah. No, nothing more. You know. It just felt like. You know, we're making this movie just for for the visuals. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is which is the second time this is happening. Granted, the visuals are better than than the the previous movies. And you know what? I'm gonna make a point because you just said the they focused so heavily on the visuals, and the visuals were good, mm-hmm. right? But on top of not really being having or having an interesting story, aside from John McClane, are there characters that you care about or left an impression? I I liked 
Justin Long. I like the dynamic. So John McClane is obviously an old man, and he's fighting these cyber terrorists in, in, in a world where he doesn't know. So he has Justin Long helping him out. And I like the dynamic between Justin Long and Bruce Willis. It's not no Samuel L. Jackson. No, no. But it is entertaining in the sense where, you know, like this is old man, there's this young guy, and they have that banter. You know, they're not using Bruce Willis's age as a as a jab. No, but they're using him as sort of like a Accordingly. Yeah. You like, know, like he needs some help. He's a little older. He's, he's adjusting. He's still he's, he's adjusting. <laughs> right, right. It's a good word. I, I agree. Uh, Timothy Oliphant, Mary Elizabeth, and Sung Kang, which is Han from Fast and Furious, are in this movie. Um, I like Mary Elizabeth. Yeah. She's a low-key kind of actress. Nice. A lot of you nerds. No, I'm just kidding. A lot <laughs> of you guys know her from um, something something versus the world. Uh, Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, she was in Sky High, Disney movie. She right. was in Final Destination 3. Oh, yeah. She was also in a very... I, I've spoken about this movie, and I don't remember when. It was a long time ago. But in one of the episodes, I mentioned her in this movie, Kate. That mm-hmm. It was a Netflix original. Really good action film. That we're talking about action? Go watch Kate. Great choreography. Nice. She's the main uh, actress in that film. Very cool. Really good. So I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I've seen her in a couple things from when I was a kid to now. Mm-hmm. She looks good. She acts well. Uh, plays the parts well. So Very I like nice. her. She wasn't significant here. Just She just played John McLean's daughter. Yeah. But it adds a new element to his character, which is fatherhood of, a, of, not, of not a kid, a father of an adult or a young right. adult, which right. is cool. It's nice to see. If you remember, John had two kids. You had um, Lucy, his daughter, and then he had John McClane Jr., which is referred to as Jack. And Jack is the focal point of the last one, Die Hard 5, or A Good Day to Die Hard, in 2013. Um, Another one that I, I can appreciate the title. You can appreciate the title. I like the wordplay. I like how they're, you know, they're playing a, a, around with it. It's almost like Bondish. Mm. Type films, you know, like No Time to Die. Yeah. Or what is it? The Day After you, Tomorrow. What's the. What's tomorrow that? Never Dies. Tomorrow Never Dies. Right. And, you know, like, that's like that. It reminds me of that, that cool wordplay, like you said. I would think, I would say that the the title is a highlight of, of this movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Damn. It, it just wasn't good. I mean, this was directed by John Moore. Uh, he directed Behind Enemy Lines, The Omen, and Max Payne. You see Max Payne? Yeah. I, I, I don't remember much, but I, it was with uh, Mark Wahlberg, no? Marky Mark Wahlberg. I remember. It was not good. It was. They tried too much to make it like a video game. This is exactly what they did for A Good Day to Die Hard. No kidding. They tried. Did you see the trailer? No. If you saw the trailer, you saw the movie. That's well, it was it. nine years ago, so. Those were the, that was the, the highlights. You saw the trailer, you saw the movie. That's it. Really? Nothing else to watch. So, John McClane, his son... So John McClane Jr., he's a spy, and he's trying to protect this uh, political prisoner, and he's projected as this bad guy, but he's actually a good guy. Okay. And John McClane goes to Russia to help him out. So, you know, the plot was all over the place. There, there was no die-hard feel to this whatsoever. There's no tension. There's no dialogue. The, there's no real set plot in the movie. The, the bad guy was very forgettable. Um, it's just, it's, it's actually pretty short. 
It's one of the shortest ones at 98 minutes. Okay. So, I mean, most of these Die Hard movies are like two hours. Right, right. Yeah, that's pretty short. So, it just, again, it almost feels like they're, they're just forcing this movie. Hey, let's just make this movie just to make this movie make it look good. And it's not that it looks bad. The CGI is there. But uh, I just don't think that uh, it needed to be made whatsoever. Jai Courtney. Julia Sigir. I'm sorry. I apologize. And Sebastian Koch. We're in this movie. Three forgettable names. Yeah. I don't know what it is. You know, Justin Timberlake was supposed to be Jack. What? Yeah. I would have taken it. So was he bringing sexy back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, So no Mary Elizabeth? No, she was there. She was there. Oh, she to, was? Yeah, she was there to drop him off at the airport when he was going to to Russia. I wonder how much you get paid for a little cameo like that. Hey, it doesn't matter. So, like, imagine somebody says, ah, I'll give you a quick quarter million. Just come and do this quick scene. I'll take it. But then again, that's got to be a good feeling. Vin Diesel's making millions just by saying grinding his voice. Yeah. Well, you got to say grew in what, 90 languages? It doesn't matter. But still, you got to say it a lot. Vin unleaded fuel. Or Mary had a little lamb, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, going back to what you had said earlier, there is a sixth movie in the works. Uh, it's called McLean, but it's a prequel. Seeing how Bruce Willis is not going to be acting anymore, he has retired. Yes. I don't imagine him being the protagonist in this movie, so I would not be surprised if they just make a new John McClane, or if they follow his son, John McClane Jr., and he will take on the mantle of John McClane. If that's the case, then Jesus, this family really is riddled with so much terrorism. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, how much bad luck can you have? I mean, I can see them doing like a little bit of a coattailing off the success of Die Hard right. while switching the theme of the entire franchise. I and I, that would be something that would be very risky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as long as they do it right, for example, bear with me here. Mm-hmm. You already established in the fifth movie, the fifth Die Hard movie, that John McClane Jr. is a... Spy. Spy. What spy movies do we know are very famous and successful and ongoing with a very popular A-list actor? Mission Impossible. <laughs> you can easily turn this McLean, the franchise, whatever, mm-hmm. into a, a Mission Impossible kind of thing. Right. You know, again, done right, you can because it's going to be a completely different actor, completely different storylines. You can just reboot it. Not that I'm rooting for them. I'm not. I don't care. But... I can see them changing the theme of the whole franchise. Because how can you possibly... Like, what can you do after the fifth movie? As you said, how bad it is. Like, what can you do? you got to switch it up. Just do something different. And that is what you had said earlier. That's where the the point I'm bringing back. All of this, there's one person that can do it. It would be Clint Eastwood. Now, I think he has the ability... For some spy stuff? For some spy stuff. I think this will be a good... uh, a good venture for him to to tackle. I think he's up for it. I think his style can fit. Uh, it would be interesting to see, but I think this man can do it. Is that gonna happen? I don't think so. But shit, he's. I mean, you know, not not to. I'm not trying to hate on old people here, but I feel like he should just. He's old. Like mm. he should just retire. You know. Imagine we're really looking forward to McLean, right? And it's coming out, and oh, the trailer looks great, and this man passes away. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be I would be so sad, but then it's like, man, this project is gonna be, 
you know, it's gonna fall under the, the the Justice League, where it's like it's supposed to be good, and then somebody else takes it over and and messes it up. Right. You know, I, I don't know. I just I feel like give the mantle to somebody you know who can who can walk without a walker and, and, and <laughs> no, no, I'm just no disrespect to Clint. We we know as we've heard right. from thanks to Mr. Ballin, his crazy story. Yeah. That's, I didn't forget that. Yeah, so if I'm anything, he's a tons. He's a tough son of a bitch. Yeah. So, you know what? Give him Clint. I mean, give him, give him McLean. There you go. You be motherfucker. I went full circle with that. Y'all don't know about Clint Eastwood falling out of a freaking plane. Surviving. Surviving. This man is a survivor. Y'all don't know about that. He's a beast. Shout out to Mr. Ballin, I guess. Hell yeah. <laughs> Big time. That was Die Hard, guys. All five movies. I mean, Brian, what do you think? Five movies considered. What'd you give this franchise? Just like a fucking six. Six. Like I'm, I'm really. As you heard, that hurt to kind of say. I mean, it's right. I don't know. Six, six. Yeah, six. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna stay quiet. Six. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Simon Cowell it, but I'm gonna Simon Cowell it because I know where you're going with it, and it's not fair. But I'm gonna give it a five. See, I, I knew you were going five, but you didn't want to be harsh. <laughs> you're gonna. But I'm Simon Cowling it. So you reversed. What's the other lady's name? Uh, Paula Abdul. You reversed Paula Abdul me then. Yeah, I'm doing because it because you were gonna nature. say six I'm, because you know I was gonna say five, <laughs> but I didn't say five. So you see, you reversed Paula Abdul. I don't like that. I'm doing it out of good nature because I know you don't have the heart for it, but I'm Simon Cowling this bitch. Five. Fuck you. You're not going to Hollywood. How come we don't ever mention Randy Jackson? Like it's a no for me, though. It's, it's when we agree we're Randy Jacksoning it. But we never do that. Oh, but we never mention him. That's, That's me. We gotta start mentioning Randy. He was like the nicest one, right? Sorry, dog. No, bro. Actually, Paul Abdul was nice. I one. never saw the American Idol. I don't like singing shows. But um, that was that hard, guys. If you have not seen this movie already, you can watch it on Amazon Prime Premium subscription. Most of them, not the second one, for some reason. I don't know. Strange, strange things. But it's probably because it's that bad. Yeah. So, Brian, is there anything that you want to talk about? Yes. I saw a Korean film. Uh, same director from Parasite. Uh, Bong, Bong Joon-ho. Bong Joon-ho. Bong Joon- I'm sorry, uh, director, uh, for the pronunciation. But this movie, I thought from beginning to end, was nothing but just well-paced tension. Nice. And suspense. Very cool. Right. It was an intense suspense. Mm-hmm. But it was a good amount. I, I don't think it was boring at any point. You know what I'm saying? Maybe the, the, the first couple minutes of it is like slow. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just kind of throwing in cultural stuff and environment, you know, time period because it's 1986, but the movie is made in 2003. So they don't need effects. They don't need anything special. It's just, but it's like maybe the first five, 10 minutes are slow. But after that, it, just, it picks up and it stays there all the way to the end. Shit. Uh, I would say it is worth the watch. If you don't mind cliffhangers, if you don't like open-ended oh, type stuff, I don't like that. And I know, right? That's why I say that because there are people who are picky about that. So there's nothing wrong. I, I'm I'm a big critique of movies when it comes to their endings. I've right. made it clear, as much as endings are only the, the last five ten minutes, depending on the type of story it is, uh, it could ruin a movie for me. And for this one, it really did hurt because I was like, I wanted it, like you know, you when you watch a movie and you want it to be good, like so badly. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that ending, I just did not like. You're not satisfied. Right. It doesn't leave me. Uh, but but that's personal. That's subjective. Like, I'm right. not satisfied because I want an answer. Right. I kind of, I like that closure, I guess you could say. Hmm. But if I'm being objective as possible from beginning to end, not only was this movie suspenseful, it had the tension, good acting, 
but it had its funny moments too. Okay. You know, the, this Korean uh, detective is like constantly slapping around people. <laughs> like, ah, you know, fucking give me an answer, speak, whatever, you know, it's, it's constantly slapping. His, his, the partner is constantly kicking people and it's really funny. He'll just come out of nowhere and drop kick a guy like, yo, <laughs> shut up, you know, you know, and they're kind of dirty. In a right. way, yeah. I'm not gonna give away too much, but the, I like the dynamic because it's it goes from the from beginning to end. You're seeing that it's sloppy police work. Mm-hmm. They're not good detectives, um, and they're not doing good work. And in the end, they had to rely on the United States because of their lack of technology, and that did not give them that did not satisfy them. And in a way, it's like okay, and we weren't satisfied either as an audience. So exactly. it's it's a it's a push. It's a it's like a tug of war. This movie, Shit. you know, you want it to go so well. But be objective. Look back. These not these guys are not good detectives. They didn't do a good job with this investigation. And this country is just not well equipped to handle these kinds of uh, like string of murders. It was a serial rapist murderer, you know. So again, if you like true crime stuff, this is the perfect movie for you. Love it. It's, I do recommend it. It's, nice. it's a good movie. I'll give it a solid uh, seven point five. Where uh, where'd you watch it? I had to rent it on Vudu. Okay. I think Amazon Prime you can rent it. Maybe there are other fa- uh, sites. But I'm, I don't think anybody has it for free. Memories of Murder by Boom Boom Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho. Boom Joon Ho. I'm sorry. I really hate that I'm not pronouncing. Anyways, director of Parasite and the father from Parasite is is actually the main detective, the the nice. protagonist in this movie as well. Very cool. So they've worked together various times. Brian, next week. Next week. Next week's going to be a good one. Next week, we're trying something different. Yeah. So, um, I know there's a lot of films out there. We keep getting suggestions, and uh, they're not considered franchises because they're solo films or right. maybe just two, but we're going to get into that, into those movies. And it's fair to say that there are just so many countless movies that are just solo films as we right. said like well, we, we even the what ifs right what if episodes we covered that right and so i think it's fair to say we should sorry i think we should give those films a fair shot hey let's start talking about them more some classics that people know about and maybe even some underground not well-known movies not very popular indie films sometimes nice they're uh, foreign films nice so i've seen a couple that nobody would ever know about but are really good so I'm excited for this new journey for Film Purgatory. Now oh, yeah. we're, we're still going to have franchises when they pop up. Right. But we're going to start hitting on these solos that are well worth the watch. Well worth the, the to talk about. Film Purgatory Beyond. Nice. No, Film Purgatory Plus. Now it's $5.99. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <coughs> but next next week, we're actually going to keep uh, both movies that we've, we're choosing because we're doing one in one. Mm-hmm. We're both going to keep them a mystery for now. Okay. Nice. Mysterious, mystique. I like it. But um, tune in, guys. Next week's gonna be good. That's gonna do it, guys. We really appreciate the support and all the feedback. If you like today's episode or have ideas for future episodes, uh, definitely get in contact with us. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Our username would be Film Purgatory or Film Underscore Purgatory. And please remember to keep all notifications turned on on your streaming services so you know as soon as we drop the latest episode. And thanks again, guys, and we'll see you next week.